Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hello and welcome to the podcast this week. The team is back together. Sarah Elgin's here and Steve Cording are both here in the studio with me. Steve, Sarah, how are you? Good, thanks, Ron. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well indeed. It's been quite the week, if I'm honest with you. You've had a busier week with your various get-togethers, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the World Cup win. (laughs) What's it been like seeing the lads again? Sorry, just say that again. What was it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, it was great fun. Thank you very much. I never thought I'd say this, but we played the Apollo, the I iconic saw, music yeah. venue in Hammersmith. And there was, well, they, they were obviously real rugby fans, like super fans, because you could have walked out on stage and said anything and they would have clapped, to be honest with you. But no, it was... Did uh, they laugh at all your jokes? It was great to see everyone. <laughs> and yeah, it has been 20 years. But it's it feels like it was yesterday, really. When you get together with a group of people that, that you've had that kind of experience with, because we didn't just go to Australia and win in a week. We've... You know, we spent about six or seven years together. So a 20-year break was probably enough time just to, <laughs> to reflect. Because um, that was going to be my next question. Because obviously within a team, you get on really well with some players yeah. and maybe not so much with others because of club rivalries or, or positions or whatever it may be. 20 years on, do you see people in, in a different way, in a different light? Oh, I think you have a, an enormous respect for them from a rugby perspective, but I think you have an even greater respect for them in terms of, you know, because you... You see, you see them grow up. You've seen, you know, different sides to them all, really. So, yeah, it was amazing, to be honest with you. I'm not sure how many of us would have reconnected had we not won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, there's the answer true. to the question that's, that I was that's expecting. A, that's, a, that's a question we'll leave, really. Just, I yeah. take it the Australians weren't getting back together no. 20 years later. No, no. but do, do you know what? People ask me, what was, the, what was your favourite moment in the Rugby World Cup, you know, 20 years ago? And it was really in that changing room for that two hours that we had together after the final whistle because you knew that the minute you walked out that door that team and your life and their lives would never be the same again that video that was yes. that was and, pretty special right? and so to get everyone back in a room without the public without people jumping all over you it was just the coaches the players your wives partners it, it was very special actually and uh, it was very enjoyable and um, we were back, at, back nice at Penny Hill Park so uh, how was yeah. that? Yeah, was that Sunday night? Saturday it was. Oh, Saturday, Saturday night. night. So, yeah, they closed the bar early. It was very unusual. I said, you, I said, you never used to do this when we were playing. I said, look, just imagine we've won again. Okay? Because uh, that's what we used to do. We used to walk in the bar and say, right, how, champagne. How many of those wives were the original wives? Oh, oh. Uh, there's a question. That's <laughs> a terrible thing Steve, to ask, Steve. That is awful. Stick to rugby questions. I mean, I, I did have to, have, on. Did have to have a quick look at the uh, names just to make sure Lawrence. I didn't uh, do anything wrong. Don't humour him. No, I won't. Um, have you had a good week, Steve? Yeah, not bad, actually. I, I managed to uh, sneak into the long room at Lord's for uh, an MCC dinner on Thursday oh, night, which nice. was very, very nice, very special. Never been in there before. Was it a 
long dinner. It was a very long dinner. Yeah, it's very enjoyable though. It did get looked after. Yeah, I okay. was uh, unfortunately I didn't get the dress code quite right. It did say jacket and tie, and I went with my jeans on. Oh, the show. there was a few not... frowns at the door. Of course it was. Yeah, yeah, it's not media. It's not a media meeting. <laughs> no, but I managed to get in. So yeah, good night. Good. I'm glad. Okay, so well, a bit later we'll be joined by the Evening Standards rugby correspondent Nick Perwall as we look ahead to the weekend's Premiership action. But first, let's introduce this week's guest. He's the owner of one of London's most acclaimed restaurants with two Michelin stars to his name. He's also published numerous cookbooks and is a familiar face across our TV screens, having been judged and host of programmes such as MasterChef, The Professionals and Five Star Kitchen. It's Michelle Drew Jr. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm really good, actually. A l- little bit croaky, I must admit, but that's uh, that's my grandson. I'll you blame don't him. sound croaky. You sound perfect. Oh, that's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. How old is your grandson? He's four. Uh, four and very snotty. He comes back from the uh, <laughs> from the nursery uh, with lots of bugs, but we still love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Some people might be a bit confused that we've invited you onto the podcast, actually, because um, it's not um, so Lawrence can get some tips for his culinary skills. <laughs> it's actually because you're a massive rugby fan. Yeah, I love my rugby and uh, been a, a Quinns fan for, well, ever since I can remember. I used to go very, very regularly and then, and then for some reason, rugby changed. It was no longer at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It became Friday evening, Saturday lunchtime, Saturday evening. It was all over the place. So, yeah, go a little less frequently. My next game uh, down at the Stoop is the um, game against Toulouse, which should be a okay. cracker. I mean, the... Uh, all the internationals should be back and it should be uh, should be a really good game. Uh, Michelle, did you play rugby at school as well? Yeah, yeah. I played uh, played for my school. That's uh, Emmanuel School in Battersea. And um, I, w- I was on the wing or uh, or, fi- or, or 15. <laughs> at <laughs> Ball Ball on the wing. Yeah. Exactly. I, was, I was away. For, uh, I was a long way away from the big lads like you. Well, quite right. <laughs> you don't want to be in with them. smart, which is probably why you uh, managed to run so many marathons. And I, well. I yeah. read that you're an honorary member at Harlequins. Yeah. What, what oh. privilege... Do you get the privileges? Do you get? Yeah. Does I, 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 remember? I don't know who who bestowed that upon me, but but it is there, isn't it? I don't I don't know really. I mean, I pay for my tickets like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two stars, which is more than Harlequins have got. Let me tell you that now. Oh, That's true. Oh, Lawrence, oh. you're spiky today. Uh, he is, well, isn't he? Come on. He is. I don't really dislike them anymore. Uh, <laughs> don't <laughs> dislike them anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So those are your club loyalties. When it comes to internationals, oh. obviously you were born in England, but obviously of yeah. French heritage. When yeah. it comes to Le Crunch, which team do you yeah, support? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't deny I've got French blood running through my veins and uh, and, and it really does give me a huge buzz when I when I see France playing and playing so well like, like they have been over the last few seasons. Uh, but I still have a huge, huge passion for for the English team as well. And uh, I want both teams to, to excel and do well. And it really annoys me when England don't do well. I mean, it, mm. it really annoys me. Yeah, it doesn't annoy the rest of the, all the people that play against them. Everyone seems to really dislike England, but it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you know, the, the French have been playing some magnificent rugby, haven't they? And, and being a creative man yourself in the kitchen, I mean, they lost that creativity for a few yeah. years, but, didn't they? But they, they've really got, got it back. I mean, it was, uh, it's superb. Um, now, listen, Sarah is partial to... Uh, a few cheesy chips, I aren't do you? I like cheesy, cheesy chips. chips. I'm so sorry. I do enjoy <laughs> cheesy chips at a rugby and match. Before you go on air as well. Well, well yes, yeah. yes. When, yes, when, when we're on game, TV, around all the various rugby grounds, we always, I mean, obviously having Italian heritage, I mean, um, it's quite important that I go and sample some of the, of course. the delicacies around the rugby grounds. What is Italian heritage about hog roasts that you have at well, I mean, Exeter? Well, I mean, there's, there's no Italian food served oh, okay. at Exeter, right. is there, really? Okay. So it <laughs> hasn't quite stretched that far. Um, what, what would you, I mean, I've seen you at 
games before. I've seen you at Quinn's. Mm. What would you, I mean, you probably look around the ground and think, I better eat before I get there, actually, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. <laughs> I mean, do, you, do, you have, do you enjoy a pie and a pint or is it more of a, a, glass, of, uh, a glass of red? I mean, uh, Stoop, the, the hospitality is very good. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is very good, I must yeah. say. And uh, the food, they, they do well and the service is good. Uh, but I don't go there particularly for the food. And in, in fact, many years ago, I do remember being almost coerced into advising them and, uh, and being a consultant. And, and I said, look, listen, you know, I come here for enjoyment. <laughs> I don't come here to work. I'm not cooking uh, your cheesy chips. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you ever cook cheesy chips? Yeah, of course I do. Oh. There's a French equivalent for that. There we go. Yeah. It's about the rugby. Although, I mean, saying that, I mean, there are some great concessions I mean, at the stoop, but also in other rugby grounds where you can get a good hog roast or a, a sausage sandwich or, you know, you, you name it. And it'll be good nowadays. And that, that has come leaps and bounds. I mean, you can go and enjoy a game of rugby, football, go to the races and get decent food. Okay, yeah. here's a question for you. As head chef of La Gavroche, as, as Lawrence just mentioned, you've had to create all sorts of, of special dishes. Okay, so if rugby was a meal for you, what would it be? That's a good question, right? That's, that's one, one of my uh, best, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. What would it be for you, Sars? So. <laughs> okay. Well, it it would wouldn't ha- be cheesy chips. No, no, no. no it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Although saying that, it could be a truffade. Truffade is the equivalent of cheesy chips. It's uh, potatoes that are cooked in uh, duck fat uh, oh. and uh, with lardons. And loads and loads of cheese on top. And it comes from the Auvergne region, which is not rugby heartland, but they do play a lot of rugby there. But for me, if I were to choose one dish that, that kind of epitomizes French rugby, it would be the cassoulet, cassoulet toulousain or castellonnerie. Uh, and it's slow-cooked beans and it's and uh, with the confit de canard on top and the sausages and everything. And it's just slow-cooked and it's full of flavour. And it's what you want to eat on a cold winter's day. Sounds good to me. Now, your co-host um, from MasterChef, the professionals, Greg Wallace, mm. um, is a regular in the green room. I think he goes to the opening of an eyelid, if I'm honest with you. But he's a massive, well, he's a massive Wasp fan, mm. uh, but he can't go and support Wasps. And I know that you enjoy watching the occasional game together. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you have been to a few matches with him. I presu- yeah, absolutely. presume yeah. he's got his eye on the sweet trolley. But <laughs> <laughs> he's actually, no, in fairness to him, he's actually, he's actually got himself in pretty good shape. He has. He must have been having a word with him. If you, uh... No, he's fit as a fiddle and he's, and he's great. He looks after himself. Do you socialise a lot together? Uh, not as much as I'd like to because it's a great night out with Greg. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, what, I, I took him to Paris to a rugby game once and, and we had a ball of a time, I tell you, really ball of a time. I got two great tickets and we were <laughs> sat right in the French end, of course, but right next to the big brass band. No. And we, wow. we had the, the big brass band sat right behind us <laughs> all through the game. It was brilliant. Well, I mean, listen, notwithstanding that you're you're finishing at Le Gavroche and you want to spend time with your family, there is a there is definitely a roadshow around European rugby to uh, oh, to yeah. be had around. I mean, because some of the some of the venues in Lyon, mm. and you think of some of the places oh, yeah. you could go to down to Toulouse. That's an idea, there, isn't there? We might. There is an we idea. Might, yeah. we, might, yes. we might revisit that yes. and do it around food and yeah, wine. Yes. Absolutely, and so, these wonderful characters. That, that yeah, I'd love to do yeah. that. I'm in. That's great. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Let's I'm going to sell that. Leave yes. that to me. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Greg doing his exercise. There. Obviously, you've run 21 marathons, yep. is that wow. right? Um, is it an occupational hazard being a chef? Do you have to keep fit? With all the with the food that you're tasting Ooh. and eating, or I think now nowadays, yes, a lot of chefs are, are very conscious about their their, their physical health and uh, and you know if you're going to work the long hours and and you know you need to be fit. But for me, it, it wasn't just physical health that drew me into it; it was mental health. I always used to run, even when I was a you know, smoking a packet or two of cigarettes a day, and I was drinking too much coffee and probably too much alcohol as well. 
and, and burning the candle both ends. But, oh, and then I was a really moody so-and-so. And then I gave up smoking when Emily was born, so that's 32 years ago. And slowly but surely, my running became more and more pleasurable, going down round the block. You could breathe. Too. I could breathe. <laughs> but then within about a month, I suddenly realised that I no longer had these crazy mood swings. My migraines disappeared. I used to suffer from debilitating migraines. Mm. Even my wife said, go on. You're, you're nicer. You're, you're nicer. <laughs> you're, yeah, go running. Go running yeah, as long as go, you like. Go running. <laughs> you come back and you're in a good mood. And I slept properly. I cut back on coffee, alcohol. I could think properly. And problem solving became so much easier. Mm. And I just became a much better person. And then I got the bug and then I became obsessed with running marathons. But it's a good obsession to have, I must say. It is. Were, yeah. you, were, you, were you charity driven by it or did you just do it for your own, for your own benefit? No, no, charity driven as well because I, I used to run for Victor, which is visually impaired children taking action. And I still raise funds for them. But I thoroughly enjoyed it, but not just, as I said, for physical health, but especially for mental health. And I'm a huge advocate for that. And you don't have to be obsessive like me and, and run marathons. Even 20 minutes of physical exercise, get the heart going. It's brief. So what was your, from your first marathon you ran, the time, for down to the, your, your latest one? Because I know Steve's going to... You're going to have a you, marathon gonna, off gonna, now, gonna you ask, and Steve. I'm going to ask you. Not comparing, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just interested because, you know, you've, you've got the right figure for a marathon runner. Yeah. Well, my, uh, my first one, I was, I was really set on doing sub 330 and I did 327 oh, so I, I was happy with that but then then I was I was desperate to break the three uh, I never quite did it I got to 313 uh, well. which which was which was good and then I then I hit 50 <laughs> uh, as in the age 50 yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, and yeah it suddenly started to get a bit slower <laughs> and was yeah. that they weren't all in London did you could do marathons in, in, yeah, in other all, cities all, all over, over the world yeah wow. all over the world how many London's have you done I've done, I've done London here we go you're waiting for it I've done London seven times not yeah. as quick as you Sal. my first one was 3.35 but the yeah, last the last good. three I did with my father who at the age of 70 decided to take up marathon running yeah. wow. after having that's prostate incredible. cancer that's brilliant and then did I did three with him and then he carried on so he did, did ten in a so row I thought you were going to so. say beat you <laughs> <laughs> well it felt like that in the end yeah, that's no. amazing Steve you never told me that no, that is amazing yeah, that's so great. He, his last marathon was when he was 80 so, that's brilliant. Yeah. That, that is great. Because you, you can run at your own speed. You don't have to. Exactly. That, yeah. that's, that's but, what, what happens when you get overtaken by, you know, by an orange or something or by someone oh, dressed mm. as a horse well, or something? You know you're in I mean, trouble, that's slightly, that? slightly worrying. <laughs> well, one, of our, one of our former sponsors, uh, their bottle, the London Pride bottle, overtook me a couple of times. He's actually quite quick, though. So, yeah, it does get a bit demoralising. Uh, are you still running now? Or? Uh, not as much. My knees are, are knackered. Yeah, same. Uh, knees are knackered. But I still keep fit, cycle, and, and go to the gym a lot. And Yeah, it's an important part of my routine. Coming back to the question I'm 13 London 13 wow. 13 London marathons um, okay so rugby let's get back to rugby then um, <laughs> it's had a lot of ups and downs shall we say over the past few years Michelle and we still want to see it kind of grow as a sport right mm. and I know that you love other sports you love rugby league am I right yeah, yeah, I absolutely love Man rugby Man U league. supporter. Man United fan. Yeah. What is it, though, about the game of rugby union that you think we, we should all be celebrating a little bit more at the moment? Because it feels like we need to be. Yeah. I, values. Mm -hmm. Respect. Well, it celebrates difference, doesn't it? I mean, that's the lovely yeah, thing. Yeah, celebrating it? It difference. And, it, and, it, and it's very inclusive. Very, definitely. I mean, you have watched rugby all over the world. The French during the World Cup, I mean, that game in the court, well, the they played some of the best rugby we've ever seen. It was just a great shame that, that they couldn't get over the line against South Africa. What would you say, in your opinion, has been the best game of rugby you've watched? That one's going to come pretty close, yeah. I must say. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that the was... the first half of rugby any of us had ever seen, that really. That was extraordinary stuff. I mean, just throwing the ball around and, and the confidence that both teams were showing. 
because because to have a great game of rugby, you've got to have two teams that are playing. You can't just have one team. Uh, and and I, th- I thought that was that was beautiful. It was exceptional rugby. Now, Le Gavroche has got a special place for me because you actually hosted me in 2010 when I did my final marathon for lunch. I've got a menu there behind oh. you. Um, how's it going to feel when you're closing in January? Lots of mixed emotions, I imagine. Very mixed emotions. Uh, when when I announced it to the staff um, three months ago, there, it was a bit teary, I must say. Because you you just tell it, tell us because you stayed open during the pandemic, didn't you? I mean, you well you didn't stay open, but you but you, you pivoted and you did some incredible work. Yeah, um, I mean, we we, well, we had to close like everybody else, yeah. um, and, and I, I very dark moments for me. I, I very nearly stopped there. Yeah, uh, I said enough. What's the point? Why should I? carry on and one day when I came into Gavroche to check the fridges and for insurance purposes we had to go in and just make sure the place was still all right I bumped into my kitchen porter Joao who's been with us 35 years so we've grown old together I mean, basically and my head chef Rachel who's likewise been with me 20 plus years and I saw them and I thought no I can't give up we've got to get out of this so we, we during the pandemic, during lockdown, I, I did a load of stuff. I mean, I, I suppose like a lot of businesses, we, we kind of tried to reinvent ourselves and tried to just keep a little bit of money ticking in, you know, just, just coming through. And so we, we, we did a whole lot of stuff. We did, opened up a, an e-shop uh, and sold anything with Le Gavroche or Ruon. We were selling it through yeah. like Amazon. I was, I was like, I was like <laughs> my wife and myself, we were just boxing up stuff yeah. constantly and sending parcels out and doing a lot of stuff online, cooking lessons and, and such like. I think we did a few Yeah, together, we, we did, yeah. So I mean, constantly trying to just keep the business afloat. And then when we did reopen, we we had to change the business model. So I closed for lunch and kept dinner open, but extended the hours for dinner. So so we we turned a corner and, and so the business is back now to, to sort of booming. And so I took the decision, the lease is coming to an end next year. So it just feels right. And I'm 63 years old. So I'm thinking, look, hang on a minute. Do I really need to renegotiate a lease and go through all of that? And so I'm taking the decision when I'm at the top of my game, as it were. It's not somebody else taking the decision for me. Uh, so I'm in control. Previously, I felt that Le Gavroche was the monster, was in control of my life. Whereas now I've flipped on its head and I am in control of Le Gavroche. So I'm that keeping the name. Right. It is well. very yeah. liberating. And you're going out on a high. I mean, you going know, out no on despair, a high, exactly. not the pandemic, not, you know, with people walking out the door. It's, it's on your terms. And I think, you yeah. know, it's a bit like in sport, you, you know, you, you don't get to write your own script, but you've done that. Mm. Beautifully, so uh, I'm guessing you can't squeeze us in for a table next week. <laughs> <laughs> you, booked, you fully booked up. Well, for a Christmas, we, got, we, we, hung up, we do have a Christmas due next week. We, do. we haven't booked yes. anyway. Yeah. Let me tell you now that there is a uh, there is a fine cellar at La Gavroche. So oh, yes. oh. we do need to discuss. Maybe not on air, but off air. What's happening to the two and a half million pounds worth of wine that is uh, that is in the cellar? Really, two and a half million. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's well, we, a, that's that's we can estimate. help you out with. Shall we can help you out with getting rid of some of that if you want us to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Right, as you guys may or may not know, Lawrence here has also dabbled in the world of cookbooks mm. yeah. with his Italian. Is there anything you haven't done? Listen, my, listen, my father was in the food yeah. business all his life and he desperately wanted to do that. Oh, that's and cute. so there we go. I've shot you down there. You are actually. I could not, not do that with him. Oh, that's uh, really and it's our you know, Italian family recipes. So I listen, I have a, a deep passion for food. I was one of the few people that you know, that was brought up in England that didn't eat their food in front of the television. Um, it was around the table. If you came around to our house when I was younger, you would, you know, whether you'd eaten or not, you'd have to eat again. Because <laughs> there'd be two or three things you could not say no to food. And I felt blessed, really, because my education of food was was way ahead of itself with, it, mm. with, you know, all the simple Italian, you know, fresh, seasonal, regional food. It, it, it's superb. Did and you so, try and still... keep that going with your children? <laughs> of course, that, yeah, that 100%. 100%. He's yes. very good at ordering at restaurants. Yeah. Well. I'm, I'm still laughing. At, oh, we went, out, we went out to Dublin <laughs> and we went to an Italian restaurant and we had this lovely gentleman serving us. And uh, Lawrence started because... We thought he was Italian. Yeah. And Lawrence started ordering in Italian. And he, just, and he went, sorry, what? <laughs> I beg your pardon, Mr. Lalio. It, it was it was it was much funnier than I'm than I'm saying the story. But anyway, well, listen, I was always in charge of food and beverage for the England team. Uh, and oh. uh, in, yeah, and ordering because you can't leave those you can't leave some oh. of those players to order any of the food. <laughs> and the wine, by the way. Anyway, but, the whole point of me mentioning that cookbook was before we let you go. Michelle, we thought we should have a little head-to-head between you and Lawrence Uh-oh. just to test your knowledge on each other's specialist subject. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got five, only five quick fire questions for you on rugby mm-hmm. and five which Mr. Delalio will have to answer about food and drink. So as our guest, you can go first. <laughs> okay, Michelle, <clears throat> which player has made the most appearances for Harlequins? Danny uh, Kerr. Correct. Do you know how many? Ooh. Roughly. Well, well, no, no. Three, six, one. Oh, so it was in the 300s. And, and, yeah. counts, and counting. And I counting. Mean, yeah, and still strong. going. Still going very strong. Oh, what score. a player, eh? You keep score, Steve. I'll okay, score. since the championship became known as the Six Nations in 2000, mm. how many times have the French held the title? Ooh. Gee. Six. Whoa. Are you... <laughs> You were smashing this, yes. Yeah, that's six? correct one. Uh, I was really? thinking five or six. Ooh, that's, that's good. Well that's done. Good. Très bien. Merci. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are the four colours of the Harlequins rugby shirt? That's pretty easy, isn't it? Well, oh, yes, yeah, the quarters, isn't it? <laughs> uh, brown, green, pink. You get that. Red. Magenta. Yeah, magenta. Yeah, yeah, magenta. Red, yeah, yeah. Yeah. White. Blue. Huh? Oh, blue. Blue red. Sugar. We'll <laughs> oh. give you half a point. Get half a point. Yeah. Get half a point half for a point. that. Okay. Who is French rugby's top try scorer of all time? Uh, Philippe Saint-André. No, he's a, it's actually your favourite player, according to Wikipedia. Blanco? Blanco, oui. Is he really? Sugar Puffs. How really? many tries has he scored? Serge Blanco scored 38. God, I used to smoke that a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. I, I mean, that's oh. kind of, in the modern era, that's quite amazing that hasn't been broken. Well, I'm, I'm really surprised about it. I thought it was, I, I don't know why, I thought it was Philippe Saint-André. Mind you, he scored some cracking tries as well. He scored some good ones. And mm. your final question. Uh, the Stoop is named in memory of a former player who mm-hmm. made 182 appearances for the club. Do you know his first name? Ah, um... That's quite tough. That's a good trivia question. Very good question. I didn't know that one. No, I should know this. I know. 
No, I can't. No. It's Adrian. Adrian. Yeah, that was a tough one, though. That was a tough one. Right, you started so well. Adrian. Ah, did. Two and a half to beat, Long. Okay. I'm not. Don't worry. I'm not holding out much hope for Lawrence. I'm sure you'll be fine. You met him. Right. Okay, Lawrence. I'll see. This is quite easy. A Magnum holds two standard bottles of champagne. A Gerbon, have I said that right? Holds yeah. four. But how many bottles of champagne is a Balthazar? Balthazar. Oh, that's quite tough, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've drunk a few of those, so I should know. <laughs> I was going to say, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, Balthazar, uh, it's not Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to go 12. 16. I feel like we're educating here, though, as we're going we along. So that's, that's a lot of champagne. That's that's a, a lot, lot of champagne. So I was going to say, Lord, you know, you know all those contacts of Bollinger. <laughs> <laughs> can you get? Yeah, can I have a Balthazar, please? Can I have a Balthazar, please? Party <laughs> right. coming up. Yep. Yeah. Um, right, right. In Italy, the feast of seven fishes is celebrated on which day? Oh, for goodness' sake! Oh. The feast of seven fishes. It's Christmas Eve. Correct. Hey. Okay, one. Well, we yeah, you have fish on Christmas Eve. Yep. So, okay. uh, What's the minimum amount of time that Parmesan cheese needs to age? Oh. <laughs> oh. You know this for sure. The minimum you? amount of time. Minimum, yeah. Oh, but years, obviously. I'd say three years. Twelve months. Mm. Wrong. Minimum. Is um, it a year? Autumn King, Figaro and St. Valerie are all varieties of which vegetable? I, do you know what? He doesn't even know this, or he's, I, he's just scratching I, I mean, his head. I mean, I could take an educated guess, but... Ooh. Quick, quick. I don't know. Have a guess. Carrot, you're right. What a guess. What a guess. You get this one, you win. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is the literal translation of ciabatta? Ciabatta. Oh, I know this. I feel I should know it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start counting down. You've got 10 know, seconds. Put him under pressure. This podcast isn't three hours old. Ten. Eight. Oh, seven, six, 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 seven, seven, I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know. What is it? Um, mm. It's slipper. Slipper. Ciabatta. Slipper. So close. But Michelle, I guess you, know you have won by the skin of your what? teeth. By, by half a point. <laughs> by magenta. Drop by goal blue. in the last yeah. minute. <laughs> You'll be glad there's four colours on the Harlequin shirt. Mm. Half a point. Oh gosh, that was right. It was good. It was good. Thank he's you. actually fuming now. That yeah, he's lost yeah, yeah, as well. yeah. No, no, just just that you know when I got hit with a ciabatta quite a lot when I was younger. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I should have known that, shouldn't I? Uh, I think my dad must have upgraded pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> All right. Michelle, um, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the podcast. Um, we look forward to seeing you both at Harlequins and at international rugby matches around the world. Mm. Um, I shall work on that European uh, food uh, food journey. Um, all the very best with La Gavroche. It's the end of an era. Uh, it's without doubt one of the uh, most iconic restaurants in the world. And um, if you need any help with the cellar, then uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be along next week. If you've got any wine left after Christmas. Uh, but listen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Right then, let's have a look ahead to this weekend's Rugby Round 8 to the Premiership and the final one before the European Champions Cup kicks in for the next couple of weekends. And joining us to add his views is the Evening Standard Rugby correspondent, Nick Prowell. Hi Nick, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Everyone well? Yeah, really good. We're all good, aren't we? Um, just to remind you, last weekend saw wins for Northampton, Sale, Leicester, Saracens and Exeter. The first on the road for the Chiefs in 13 months. Um, this weekend, Harlequins welcome Sale to the Stoop. There are two West Country derbies with Bristol and Gloucester going head-to-head and Bath hosting Exeter at the Rec. Saris will face off against Northampton Saints. And last but not least, Newcastle will be paying a visit to Welford Row to take on Leicester Tigers. So some pretty tasty matchups there. 
not least with those West Country derbies. Uh, Lawrence, which of these weekend's fixtures stand out for you? Well, I think um, looking at the sides that have sort of concertinaed at the top, it's so competitive. It's so tight. I think there's one one win separates from being sort of seventh. You can jump up to second. So we are going to see a lot of chopping and changing throughout. I think Harlequins at home. They need to get back to winning ways. They should have won at Saints. Bristol and Gloucester, two sides struggling at the moment. You know, can't win a raffle, can they really? So uh, I think that one is, for different reasons, is really, really important. And then, you know, Leicester at Welford Road. I think uh, Pollard has sort of carried on his form, hasn't he, from the World Cup. So very exciting games. Um, Nick, what about you? You'd be looking, um, well, focusing, I guess, on the Quins and Sarries games, no doubt. Am I right? Do you foresee home wins for both those teams? Yeah, um, well, I think, Quinns, it'll be a second home game in a row where they'll have to go up against a big nasty pack and, and then really it comes down to what they can do against that and Marcus Smith go against George Ford most likely so it could be a bit of a repeat situation of the, the Saracens game we all know what happened there they came up short so they're going to have to step up the level obviously they were pretty close at Northampton they were you know you could say they were unlucky to lose that but they did concede a lot of points so they need to get back to winning ways really but they know it's going to be a massive challenge for them so it's, it's obviously it's been announced just today that Lewis Ludlam's obviously off to France another player disappearing uh, Lawrence uh, Maro Toji could well be going the same way as well is it a bit worrying this uh, increase in players going to France? Yes, it is. And, um, you know, we're still awaiting the announcement of this professional game agreement, um, which is supposed to revolutionise the relationship between club and country. Look, it's extraordinary circumstances at the moment. You know, why don't you just sit down and change the law, change the rules? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that uh, there's a lot more money in France. We're not suddenly going to see every single player from England going over to France. The French have got a system in place now where they have to have a certain number of French players in their league. It's not just a question of them operating, uh, you know, where they cherry pick our best players. I think time's up now. We, we need some serious leadership. You know, if you're Saracens and you can only afford one contract, you give it to Owen Farrell. If you're Mario Toji, he's played eight years of rugby relentlessly. He's been successful in the early part of his career. Why don't the RFU and Saracens sit down and say, look, we want to keep you here. We want to keep you here for another four years, but we can't afford it. So we'll pay it. We'll put you out on loan to Japan for a year. We'll get three or four hundred thousand pounds back for you. And, you know, come up with some sensible situations because we want Maritoji in the next World Cup. We want some of these players there, but they can't afford it. But there are ways around it. And if you are Steve Borthwick, you know, and you're Bill Sweeney, you've got to change the law. You've got to change the agreement because we're losing player after player after player. What's happening with that agreement, Nick? Is it anywhere near? being finalised no and I think it's something that's potentially going to go down to the wire really unfortunately I think it's these sorts of negotiations take a long time there's a lot of force trading there's a lot of uh, lobbying people obviously want to protect their own interests there is a better cordiality than there ever has been between all the different parties and, and Bill Sweeney deserves credit for that but the time Lawrence is right the time's up because what's happening is that quite rightly clubs here and abroad are already making their moves and sorting their squads out for, for next season. Once upon a time, we had this idea that clubs would set their squad up in the second half of one season for the next season, but certainly clubs in France, whoever has the money, the clubs will be building their squad for next season 12 months in advance, sometime 18 months in advance if they can, if they can get away with it. So at the moment, obviously, guys like Lewis Ludlam and Carl Sinclair, they're, you know, they're being chased very hard and the options, and there's money there for them. So yeah, England could lose a, a nucleus of players. I mean, I think Itojo will stay. I think he will do. But I think what people want answers on is what is exactly will be the composition of these deals. Is it going to be a situation where the RFU gives the clubs a pot of money and the clubs distribute it? Or 
oh, the RFU effectively going to be paying half or a percentage of player salaries? And could we see a sort of three or four tier bracket for different caliber of players? Because that would be fascinating. These are the sorts of things they probably won't want to make public, but at the end of the day, they may very well have to. Yeah, absolutely. There's no agreement between Toulouse and England, but I can guarantee the easiest conversations that Steve Borthwick has when he wants to talk about a player is when he phones up Toulouse because every single player is an international. They understand the demands of the, of the game. French rugby is not what it used to be. They actually eat some food that makes you fit for rugby nowadays. It's not, it's not quite the opposite way around, you know. It's not uh, cheesy chips. So, look, you know, the, I think it's a very dangerous um, road they're going down with disagreement, you know, buying players' time. The players have the power, you know. It's, you know, I used to walk into the club at Wasps and say, look, you know, we as a, a group of international players, this is what we need to do. We need some time off. We, you know, the players need to shape the future. You can't just leave it to other people because it's not working. And and I don't understand why every player it doesn't get a sabbatical. You know, not every player, but players like Maritaji can't continue to play the level of rugby he's playing week in week out and not you know drop down. So give him a year off after a World Cup. Let him go to Japan, play twelve games, earn four times as much money, and then bring him back far more hungry and in far better shape to play international rugby. Good idea. <laughs> Don't mess with Occas- Lawrence. Occ- occasionally I have them, yeah, occasionally. <laughs> um, okay, well, we'll see how all the games play out this weekend and then we'll see, I mean, we could keep on talking for ages about that whole situation, couldn't we? Uh, Lawrence, where are you going to be this weekend? I am at Saracens, um, which is another big game, obviously. They play Northampton and then I'm going up to Leicester Tigers. Um, who take on Newcastle. So. Okay. Um, How are you enjoying doing the women's prem? Good, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, so I'm doing three different leagues this weekend. Yeah. I've got the Gallagher Premiership on Friday, I'll be at Quinn's, and then I'm doing the URC on Saturday, and then, yeah, the PWR on Sunday. No, it's really good, it's brilliant. So we've had some great matches already. I mean, it's only round three next week, but uh, yeah, no, it's all good. Thoroughly enjoying it. Very, very excited. Right, well, that's all for this week. My thanks to Sarah, to Steve, to Nick, and, of course, our special guest, Michelle Rue Jr., I do hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be back with more Rugby Chat. And until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.